Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen. We are once again live down here in the Bear Cave Studios for another episode of the Sports Frenzy Podcast, Sold Out. With me, your host, Freddy Eloso, and with Anthony the Encyclopedia. Encyclopedia, welcome. Thank you, Eloso. Gentlemen, Sierra Hotel, India, Echo, Lima, Delta, Shield. Shield one last time this Sunday at, I guess, Sunday Night Heat, because I don't think this is really a pay-per-view, is it? (laughs) Not really. I don't think so. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like a filler for for Mania. Yeah, it really does. Or like when they tried to bring Saturday Night's Mania event back, and they had it on NBC for a few times and nobody was watching. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. We had the, the return of the Shield Monday night. Well, kind of, you know, they did the hand thing, and is it going to be the last time we see them? And yeah. and that's the other question: Where is Dean Ambrose uh, head at? Is he really leaving, or is this all storyline? Um, the way they keep having him job out, I don't know. But it just it feels like so thrown together and so not well thought out that maybe I start. Last week I think he's staying. This week I'm thinking, yeah, he's definitely going because it's just it just seems like a cheap money grab that they're going for here. Yeah, I don't. I just don't. I don't know. I feel like it's all a work, and that they're just they're messing with us. And at the end of the day, Ambrose is just going to wind up staying. But with WWE, right. you never know what what the hell they're going to pull out. No, that's true. Um, I, I could see it being either way. It's just that, like last week, I felt like okay, they're hinting at Shield. He's staying. Um, now, the way things went down this week, I mean, that had him job to Elias again. Um, the plan. I, I'm, I'm wondering if this is going to lead to Roman versus Dean at WrestleMania. And if this is going to be the last time we're seeing the Shield, I feel like that kind of cheapens it. Um, if there's going to end up being some sort of turn, I mean, not necessarily a Roman heel turn. I don't think that's what they're going for at all. But um, the other thing is, if Dean Ambrose is truly leaving, do you give that spot on the WrestleMania card to him? knowing he's going to be gone a few weeks later. And I know I've said that a few times. I think not. Uh, um, I, I It just seems like a cheap money grab to me um, if he really is leaving. And I, I, right now, this week, today, I say he, I think he's gone. And they'll probably do something on Sunday that'll make me change my mind again. So I got to say that at least they're being intriguing in that respect. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I can see it going either way if it's actually a work. And well played, you guys really kind of elaborated on a story for once. But if it's not, it'll suck to see him go and that this will be one of the last times we see the Shield together. But over the past weekend, we had Northeast Wrestling, Lucha Mania 2. You and Stevie G were in attendance. Tell us all about it. Uh, so, uh, first off, the, to everybody that made it out to that show, hats off to you because there was a major snowstorm predicted to be hitting right as the show was going on. So, in that respect, while it was a fun show, it did feel like some of it was kind of rushed because they were trying to beat the storm. 
I will preface this with the main event was an ODQ match with JT Dunn against Pentagon Jr. I cannot share anything about that, and neither can Stevie G, because the snow was starting to come down, and we hightailed it out of there. <laughs> um, so we did not see the main event. But uh, the opening match, we saw Christian Casanova, who is really intriguing character. He's one seems to be one of the brightest spots of Northeast Wrestling. Uh, he defeated Mike Verna in the opening and uh, made made claim to that he should be getting the Northeast wrestling title shot. Uh, so a little foreshadowing there, but a pretty good match. The, the kids definitely got talent. Um, I don't know necessarily that we'll see him in NXT or WWE. I could see him maybe down the road. Somebody all elite should consider the second match we had was uh, Jimmy Preston and Rod zombie. Uh, they defeated bull dread and Chris battle. Um, I'd seen bull dread and I've seen Rod zombie for years. Um, Ron zombie, had a devastating injury years ago, uh, so it was nice to see him back in the ring again. And actually, in the past, I'd seen Zombie and Bull Dread team up together. So it was interesting to see them on opposite sides. But Zombie play, was playing more of a corporate character. Um, Jimmy Preston and Ron Zombie were, were manage, uh, did have a manager out there. I apologize because I don't remember his <laughs> name either. But it was it, it was a pretty good tag match. Ron Zombie and Jimmy, Jimmy Preston went over. Um, and then what shocked me, uh, they had a four-way tag team match. So we had Insanely Rude, RJ Rude and Zane Bernardo. Uh, we had the Amazing Graysons, JP Grayson and Tommy Grayson. A uh, l- little cute thing they have, like they kind of take that DC reference there, Grayson's Batman. So they had the little Batman logo on the side of their tights. But the pretty good tag team, uh, more of a cruiserweight division type of team. Um, there was the Perfect Gamble, Dexter Lowe and Mike Gamble. Uh, one of them, really hilarious. He almost looks like an American sumo guy. Nice. And and then uh, the what I believe was the return of the now. So Hill Collins and Vic Delicious, uh, they're playing the heels. Uh, Stevie G was nice enough to let me know that in Connecticut, the now usually play more of a heel tag team where – uh, where we've seen them in Newburgh and Poughkeepsie, they're usually the face. And the match actually did come down to insanely rude in the now. Uh, the now really carried the bulk of that match. Uh, Vic actually, uh, funny thing, and Stevie G shared this with Freddie and I earlier this week, um, Vic was really playing the heel character to a T. He even spat in the face of one of the Graysons, uh, or insanely rude, I can't remember which one, but... Apparently, the loogie might have hit somebody in the first row who blew up Vic's Facebook. <laughs> yes, he did. I did see that. Basically threatening him if he ever did it again and everything, which I thought was kind of hilarious. Um, but Vic, Vic's just got so much charisma. I'm always impressed with him. Um, I really like Hale. I really do in the ring. His re- ring work is, is really good. Um, that being said, I just feel like Hell, I love you. I apologize because if you're listening, you're probably going to hate me for saying this. I just feel like the charisma is what he needs to work on a little bit. Um, he did he did do a pretty good spot with a super, uh, suplex combo into a brain buster. But Insanely Rude won the match. Um, I'm guessing that would make them the number one contenders uh, or possibly in line for a tag team title shot against Anthony Battle and the Duke of Danger, Daniel Evans. We did see him before the show. Nice. Um, now, uh, you would think that insanely rude that would put them in line for a title shot, but I digress. Uh, that's not going to be the case. Uh, we'll get back to that. The f- next match was Wrecking Bowl Ligurski, friend of the show. 
the guy the guy's definitely got a crowd behind him. Um, he has a really cool video game T-shirt that was I saw several people in the crowd wearing. Uh, he defeated Josh Briggs, but after the match, Jimmy Preston and Rod Zombie actually did a beatdown on him uh, with with their manager in tow. Again, I apologize. I don't remember his name. But Wrecking Ball was really getting beaten down, and it looked like there was going to be a table spot. Cue Bully Ray. Yeah. If you, you guys have uh, access to Northeast Wrestling's Instagram page or Wrecking Ball's Instagram page, you can guys can go see the... Uh, they have a short little video on it, which was uh, pretty cool to see Bully Ray come back to Northeast Wrestling. Yeah, so Bully Ray's back. Uh, apparently, uh, as you guys might remember from our previous shows, Wrecking Ball does train with Bully Ray, so it was announced. Uh, and there was a lot of there was a lot of this going on with the show. Um, they're pushing their their big card in April. So that's in Danbury, Connecticut on April 26th. It's going to be WrestleFest 23. Um, on that card, you will see Bully Ray back in the ring. He's going to be teaming up with the Wrecking Ball. And they'll be facing Jimmy Preston and Ron Zombie in a ta- tables match. So that that was cool, unexpected. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I did cheer a little bit. Uh, I, a lot of respect for Wrecking Ball, the friend of the show and all, all as I mentioned earlier. I've never been a true Bully Ray fan, more because uh, Steven and I had the... We had an experience where we met, got a chance to meet him at uh, one of our local malls. It was, I believe it was 2000. And you could tell he just didn't want to be bothered. So um, his attitude that day just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So um, I, I was sold. I was sold enough that I was like, all right, you know, cool. He's he's giving back to the business because uh, there's someone of his stature with a successful radio show with Busted Open Radio on Sirius XM with uh, with Mark Henry on there and and LaGreca. There's, he, he really doesn't. It's really having him on an indie show that's just a big deal um with a legend like that so it's nice to see him there supporting his student we then had a tag team championship match um apparently it would be i believe he quoted as the 169th title he would win i think the key number there was 69 because it was jerry the king lawler (laughs) teaming up with keek youngblood to go up against um king king brian anthony's uh court of anthony battle and daniel evans there was a it was a schmaz ending. Uh, Battle and Evans got the W, uh, but it was a case where Jerry thought he had the Jerry and Keith had it well in hand, and a little run in from from the manager of King Brian and the Duke of Danger and Anthony Battle uh, did a cane shot. Cost it cost Lawler and Youngblood the the match, but there will be a rematch also at WrestleFest. Uh, there was a great match between Phoenix and Darby Allen. Uh, they tore the house down. They went nonstop for, I think it was about 10 minutes. Uh, and that's when I, Stevie G and I started th- really thinking that they're r- trying to get the show done because of the snow. Um, uh, but that being said, there was still an entertaining match. Um, Phoenix with the W there, uh, as I mentioned, did not see the JT Dunn Pentagon junior match because of the weather, but, uh, JT Dunn did got the win there. And then, the reason why I trekked over two hours to Waterbury, Connecticut, was to see Man Scout. 
So the man scout Jake Manning challenged Big Bacon for the Northeast Wrestling title. Uh, they had a really good match, several near falls. It was actually probably, uh, in my opinion, that was probably the match of the night. Uh, then again, like I said, the Phoenix Darby Allen match tore the house down as well, and I can't comment on the JT Dunn Pentagon match, but I'm sure that was great. Um, the crowd was totally into it. It was a split crowd uh, between the big bacon fans and the man scout fans. But as the match was going on, it seemed like the fans were getting behind man scout. And, and then Christian Casanova did a run in and ruined the whole thing. So that actually not at Russell fest. It's going to be at the next show in Bethany, which is actually down the street from Waterbury. I passed it on, on my way home. Uh, but there is going to be a triple threat between big bacon and the Man Scout and Christian Casanova for the Northeast Wrestling title. Unfortunately, not, I'm not going to be able to attend that one live. And I know Steven's got a conflict. So that, that part kind of stunk. I would have liked to have been there in person to see, hopefully, Man Scout win the belt. But who knows? Maybe they'll prolong that all the way to Russell Fest and then Steven will be there in person. Uh, as always, Northeast Wrestling put a pretty good entertaining show on. Uh, definitely enjoyed myself. Had a good time. And a pr- very good, fun crowd there. So I... If you could support your local Lindy wrestling group, definitely do that. I know down near me, I haven't done it yet, but uh, Russell Pro is a pretty big popular show down in my neck of the woods. Uh, I live pretty close to Rahway, uh, but nor- uh, I've seen so many Northeast wrestling shows, and I've never gone home disappointed thinking, wow, I wasted my money. That sucked. So um, definitely support your indie shows, guys. Uh, that's where the, the, stars of, the stars of tomorrow uh, really get their start. Nice. And speaking of indie shows, we have All Elite. Well, they're not really an indie show. They're going to be a pretty big competitor in the wrestling industry. All Elite Wrestling has added a new show coming in July. In a smaller venue, I believe it's, what, 10,000 seats, 5,000 seats? That's generous. It's actually 5,500. 5,500. There you go. So... It's on the smaller side. I feel like they could have gone bigger, but it could be something where they're trying to feel out the crowd and how it's going to be and how they, the wrestling fans are taking to the new product. So let's see how it pans out. What do you think of it, Encyclopedia? I was I was surprised. Um, I heard it was on Being the Elite. I believe it was Kenny Omega that made the announcement. So as you mentioned... It's going to be at the Daly's Place Amphitheater, which seats around 5,500 people. It's literally, um, for those of you that might live in the New York, New Jersey area, think of like a Jones Beach Amphitheater or the PNC Bank Arts Center in New Jersey. I'm seeing a photo of it now, basically same sort of setup. I I know Stevie G didn't wasn't necessarily willing. They didn't want us necessarily talking about this because he wanted to save judgment uh, until the day got closer. But I'm just going to go right out now and say it. I think this is a huge miss by them. I think they could get a bigger arena. I mean, you've sold out. You sold out all in, which I know wasn't technically part of all elite, but that was kind of that was kind of the te- the testing ground, if you ask me. You sold that out. You had forty thousand people interested in the show in Vegas, and you sold that show out with a fifteen thousand MGM grand. I. I'm a little surprised that they're going for such a smaller venue here. Um, Maybe they're afraid they're not going to be able to put the kind of card there that 
would demand a sellout or a huge crowd, but I really think this is a huge miss for them. I I know there's arenas in Jacksonville locally that they could try for. Um, I mean, if you got 40,000 people that were interested in this Memorial Day weekend show, why couldn't you even have considered using the lower bowl of the home of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Um, there's like, I know there's a minor league ice hockey team there. Um, I just don't understand why they're going with such a small arena. But you know what? Let's, let, as Steven said, you know, let's give them a shot. Let's see, you know, maybe as we get closer, we'll figure out, they'll reveal why they went for such a smaller place. Yeah. So let's jump into WWE. We had some news before we get to all the stuff that happened on Raw. We had the... This week, we had the passing of King Kong Bundy, 61 years old. May he rest in peace. I know a lot of us saw him in the early WrestleManias, along with, uh, I believe, I remember seeing him uh, ringside as one of the Lumberjacks in the uh, Bam Bam Bigelow LT match with the, what was it, the Money Inc.? Or... The million dollar, uh, it was the million dollar corporation. Yes, the million dollar, million dollar corporation there, ringside. So may he rest in peace. And he had a uh, a great run in WWE back in the day. Yeah, the originator of the five count. Um, if you, for those of you that don't know, uh, for those of our newer fans that might not be up on the history. So King Kong Bundy, what he was known for was, um, uh, Back in the 80s and into the 90s, there were a lot of times that we had syndicated shows where you would see a superstar go up against what we would call a job or basically an enhancement talent. Their job was basically to make their opponent look good. And King Kong Bundy used to dominate his opponents so so well. Um, he would destroy them so badly that it, after the referee uh, did his three count, King Kong Bundy would stop him from ringing the bell and say, I want five, and the referee would go for a five count, and it was just a way to show his dominance in the ring. Uh, he had the, he, at the, he then set the record for the quickest match at that time, uh, nine seconds beating to special delivery Jones at the first WrestleMania. Uh, from there, he went from being managed by Jimmy Hart to getting managed by Bobby the Brain Heenan and main eventing WrestleMania two in a steel cage against the immortal Hulk Hogan. He definitely made his mark in the industry. Um, the following year, WrestleMania three, he was involved in a six person, uh, six man tag match uh, with the. It was him and Hillbilly Jin on opposite ends, and uh, we had Little Beaver in there, Little Tokyo, <laughs> yeah. um, and King Kong Bundy. If I remember correctly, literally squashed Little Beaver by the end of that match. Um, there was there, the, so he he definitely made his mark. Um, is really he kind of disappeared. Towards the end of 87, after the very first Survivor Series, um, ended up in a Saturday night's main event, defeating Hulk Hogan via countout uh, to prolong the feud with Andre the Giant that Hulk Hogan was in the middle of. And then he kind of fell off the radar for several years. Came back in the mid-90s. As you mentioned, he was, in the, he was a member of the Million Dollar Corporation. Actually is one of the first victims of The Undertaker streak, uh, losing to The Undertaker at WrestleMania 11. You know, he had his moments. Yeah, I there's a lot of losses thrown in there. Um, I feel like in some ways he he should have been at least considered for the Hall of Fame. I know I'm probably got a lot of people that would disagree with me on that, 
But I think he made more of an impact on the industry than some of the guys that are in there, like a Coco Beware. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go there. Um, and that really leads into the next undeserving Hall of Famer, in my opinion. Uh, so earlier this week, Tori Wilson was Tori announced Wilson. to go in the Hall of Fame. Yep. The ex-wife of Billy Kidman. I don't know what else to say. Like there, there's, there's not much else to say. She was uh, a part of the, the Divas back in the day, the um, bra and panties matches. Uh, that was a lot of her specialty, her feud with Sable that many will remember. But, um, yeah, I, I don't see it as being a huge deserving factor to be in the Hall of Fame, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, and I know she's actually responded that she's been getting a lot of criticism for this induction. Um, look, the WWE, they see a place for her. I really don't know what to say here. Yeah. Um, I, the thing that I remember the most with her is that she had a feud with Dawn Marie over her father. For those of you that want to know how, that don't remember how uh, low-brow WWE could be, Dawn did such a number on Mr. Wilson during their honeymoon night that she screwed him to death. <laughs> yep. Classic WWE right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it is what it is. You know, I, I really have nothing to say, and I'm actually paying to good money to go see this induction. Uh, not because of her by any means, but... It is what it is. Uh, she's more deserving. She might be more deserving. She's probably made more of a mark than some of the other people that have that have gone in, such as Coco Beware. But uh, Coco Beware is getting shit on a lot tonight. Yeah, and I'm so- <laughs> and I'm sorry, Tori Wilson. I mean, you definitely you definitely did your thing. You entertained millions of us. I just I don't think it's except it's really deserving to be in the hall. But you know, it's not my call. So, speaking of Divas, we had the news uh, about Alicia Fox. We know last week we mentioned that Arn Anderson got fired. It came out this week that the reason why Arn Anderson was fired was because he let Alicia Fox go out to the ring intoxicated. And wrestle intoxicated. She's now refusing rehab. And she's basically kind of blaming everybody else for it instead of taking responsibility for herself. Um, Do you think it was just to fire Arn Anderson because of this? The legend that is Arn Anderson? Or you think he's just the fall guy because of her actions? I think, personally, I I think she should be fired. You can't show up to work drunk intoxicated like you can't it's just it's a no-go future endeavor her i don't know what she's doing in the division anyways or what she has on wwe that they're keeping her around like i just i don't get it i think she should be gone she should have been gone a while ago that's just that's that's where i'm at on this i she's another one that i don't think has really contributed much over the years um i don't know why that would be the only reason i think there's more to it than just that um if if it's true though that he did let her go into the ring intoxicated it might have been him trying to send her a message um because maybe she's had a history of of it yeah yeah uh 
It's possible. I mean, I, I, I know Total Divas is scripted reality as far as I'm concerned, but there's been plenty of times that she's gotten inebriated on that show. So if the stories are true that they offered her rehab and she didn't take it, that just then I think that's grounds for dismissal. So that's why I'm not totally sure. First off, I'm, maybe this is the straw that broke the camel's back, and that's why Double A is no longer with them. Um, if he did send her into the ring in that condition and he was just trying to send her a message, you know, there's not much I could say about that. Um, that's a very old school way of thinking. And uh, she probably, by today's standards, shouldn't have done that. I get why he's probably doing that to try to send her that message, but a uh, message was not received if that was the case, obviously. <laughs> so, uh, um, uh, but I think Alicia Fox should have been like, oh, a long time ago. I just don't think she really, really fits in with what they're going for these days. And I just feel like they throw her out there. But she's, she's filler. She's really is filler. And yeah, for I, someone that's been there that long, I don't feel like she could get, you could get a good match out of her, which I think after what's probably been almost 10 years or longer, it's, how many chances are you going to give her? That's true. And then, sad news for you. I know you're a Tommaso Ciampa uh, guy. He had neck surgery earlier this week, and he's estimated to be out 6 to 14 months. That's sad news because he just got called up, and I feel like they, the main roster fans were starting to get behind him and Gargano a little bit and it would have been nice to see them feud with the revival i was really looking forward to that but uh due to the unfortunate uh injury he's gonna be gone for a while yeah i was really sad to see that i actually um in addition to i mentioned i have hall of fame tickets i'm basically living in the new york metro area of wrestlemania <laughs> weekend because i'm also going to take over which if you read the spoilers and without spoiling anything uh there was about obviously as the NXT champion, there was a good shot he was going to be the main event. So I was really sad to see that happen. Um, I'm start. I'm actually afraid that he's going to be labeled as injury prone because this is the second major injury he's had in the last three years. Uh, so I'm I'm really hoping that he could come back and turn it around. I I'm really sad to see this happen to him because he I did feel like he has that charisma. He had the type of character that could get over on the main roster, but. Unfortunately, these things just happen sometimes. And that's why when people say, oh, wrestling's fake. Um, no, the toll that it takes on their bodies is very real. It's choreographed. It's not fake. And uh, it's one of the huge reasons why, not that I ever would have, but it's one of the huge reasons I think a lot of fans will never actually explore realistically becoming a wrestler uh, because of the toll it takes on your bodies. The human body's not meant to take that kind of punishment. So where do they go with the title now? I personally think I think it goes to Adam Cole. I think um, he should be probably next in line to get it and have a decent NXT title run. Um, I feel like him and his stable have been kind of running ruckshot and pulling in the ratings for NXT. And I feel like uh, he can have a good title run. He could have a good feud with, say, Velveteen Dream. You know, all these guys that are there right now. I feel like uh, this may be the way to go for them. I, I'm i not sure where to go because Gargano, I mean, the way things were going, it was 
very likely that Gargano might have been involved in that NXT title picture. Um, so do they take him out of that, or do they just call him up to the main roster? Because the other thing I've noticed is now Ciampa's been injured. Gargano hasn't been seen on TV either. Um, I think he was in the backstage segment for Ric Flair's birthday party, and that was the last time I recall seeing him. So that kind of stinks with the timing. I, mean, I wonder where this leaves Gargano. Um, Adam Cole as the next NXT champion, I could be on board with that. Um, but I, I, I think it's time for a reboot with NXT in some respects. they got to figure things out. They need For one thing, they need to figure out who is going to get called up, if anybody, after, after WrestleMania. I'm wondering if this actually is a sign that maybe EC3 should be going back down to NXT because after that stupid backstage segment they did with him standing in the background with the spray bottle, I just don't understand what they're do- the hell they're doing with him. And if you weren't ready f- to put him in some sort of storyline like you did the others, I mean, mean even for, for crying out loud, even freaking heavy, heavy machinery has something going on now. So it's really, it seems like Nikki Cross and EC3 had some, had some potential. It seems like the, uh, I really thought that those would be two two of the ones to get over on the main roster, and instead they kind of fall into the wayside. Uh, so maybe EC3 should be coming back down to NXT. Um, I'm not against Velveteen Dream uh, and Adam Cole feuding again, but I think that's something you have to say for the summer because they did kind of do that feud already, and yeah. uh, Velveteen Dream finally got his first singles title, so I wouldn't want to see that end too quickly. Right. Uh, so I think, yeah, Adam Cole's probably the logical choice uh, and maybe he would face Gargano for the vacated title um, maybe you maybe you have Aleister Black or Ricochet go back down to NXT um, I, although they're involved in the Dusty Road Classic we don't know how that's going to end so a lot of question marks here it could be an opportunity for NXT to really give a push to someone new um, maybe Gargano doesn't and stay in the title picture maybe we actually do see Adam Cole a main eventing takeover for the vacant title against Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle's getting a great reaction down there in NXT. Um, I've I watched his documentary on his arrival into NXT. It was really interesting. Um, great story about him. I had no idea he was a Pennsylvania boy originally. I thought he was thought he was a Calif- California, California, California because of the whole the whole pothead reference and all with him. But um, I think I, I would say right now. Leave Black and Ricochet out of the title picture if they're going to be up on the main roster. Um, I know this. If you put Gargano in that spot now, under the circumstances, if he is, uh, where does that leave him in the main roster? Maybe it's his time to shine. Uh, maybe the best way to go is you have a triple threat with Gargano, Cole, and Matt Riddle to decide the new champion. Um, I think, but I think Matt Riddle, he's just really he's gotten up that NXT card so quickly and I really think he they should be let, let's roll the dice with him um, I think he's getting the best reaction from any of the faces that are going to be staying in NXT for the time being nice. so let's jump into Raw we had the Raw tag team division my Achilles heel to Monday Night Raw drives me nuts gets me ferocious from from week to week. I feel like they haven't taken the tag team division seriously since probably the mid-2000s, since like the TLCs with Edge and Christian and the Hardys. I feel like the WWE tag division has lost 
all its credibility. You have great tag teams. You've had great tag teams. And you continue to drop the ball. I feel like right now the way to book it is you start feuding the Revival. Make them look strong. They're your best tag team on the roster. Your modern day brain busters. They can work any style you need them to. These guys can these guys can run with anybody. Let them do it. You can have them slowly start to feud with, you know, heavy machinery. Um, who else is out there in the division? Rude and Gable. Um, whoever it is, let them run with them. Let them show that they can be, they can carry this division instead of just jobbing them out every week and having them lose to the likes of Ricochet and Aleister Black, who are a makeshift tag team along with Rude and Gable. Like, give them a shot. They can do it, and they can bring prominence back to this division. But unless WWE is going to get behind it, it's not going to work. Actually, the truth be told, I feel like the SmackDown tag division is actually so strong that they have they really have three or four great tag teams on that side that could be tag team champions at any time. And I think maybe it's time for a shakeup. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we got to swap some teams around, give give the revival that new blood. I mean, you got the Bar who have been kind of like their former tag team champions. They ended the longest tag team title reign in history uh, that the new from the New Day. Uh, they're kind of lost in the shuffle. Um, but you have the Usos, you have Big E and Xavier Woods. So maybe maybe that's what they need to do is they need to shake things up and move some tag teams around. Because as you mentioned, you have heavy machinery. You have the former major brothers in Ryder and Hawkins who are also former tag team champions in that respect. Uh, I don't I agree. I don't know why Black and Ricochet are involved there. You have the team of the Ascension who were actually the longest reigning NXT tag team champions of all time, and they've they kind of ruined them. I don't think they'll ever be taken seriously. But they have so many tag teams. It actually reminds me of the late 80s where you had so many tag teams that you had those huge Survivor Series matches with every tag team involved where you couldn't even see into the ring until some teams were getting eliminated. <laughs> but yet they're, they're not, they don't seem to know what to do with these teams. That's why I think they need to do some sort of shake-up and get some teams switched around. Um, I, on the SmackDown side, we haven't seen Sanity in a while. They've really got to figure this tag team division out. like them to really start off fresh with that. I'm not sure how they go about that. Um, but bottom line is if uh, the Revival R team that you could at least build around one of the show's tag, tag team divisions, and they got to do it by more than just having them lose non-title matches left and right. I agree with you, man. 100%. Then on Raw, we had the heel turn of all heel turns. I hope you were ready for it. We had Ronda Rousey turn heel. And yeah, that's how I feel about it. Not surprised. Not for it. Not against it. I'm just waiting for WrestleMania for Becky Lynch to get her hands on the title take over this division Rhonda to ride off into the baby making sunset which is what she's saying she's planning on doing and we get a shake up in this division because it's starting to grow stale I'm getting a little I don't want to say frustrated but like blah about the Becky Lynch push 
I feel like it's very 1998 Stone Cold Steve Austin where they're trying to push it down our throats now and it's just it's not working because she doesn't have the right dance partners to do it with it worked with Austin because he had Rock he had Vince he had Triple H he had the guys that could dance with them hang with them on the mic make the story go on all aspects I feel like right now it's really just Becky Lynch and she's she's carrying Ronda Rousey as far as she can go and it's not Ronda's fault she got pushed into this spot now but I just don't think she can hang with the likes of Becky Lynch right now what do you think it's like for you? I think people are overlooking Ronda's skill in the ring. I don't think I, for someone that's only been doing it for really, if you include her training time, maybe a year and a half. I think she, she's she's excelled by leaps and bounds in that oh, respect. No. I think she, I think she, she can hang in the ring. I think her promos. I think we're going to get better as a heel. And the reason why I say that is, I, I, and this is the same thing. Uh, UFC fans started turning on her for the same way. There, she could play off that she could come across as arrogant and that's and um this was a long time in coming it was already starting in november the fans were turning on her um the fans don't like getting anybody crammed down their throats and a lot of times it's the performer that unfortunately gets the bad rap for it when it's the booking that really is causing the problem so i think they're just embracing the way the fans are reacting now that being said yeah becky should not be pushed to stone cold 2.0 the fact of the matter is and this goes back to wrestlemania 30 with the daniel bryan push they're taking what the fans want as far as the number one person on the roster and they're just whipping together story and they're not the effort's not there. I don't know what they're thinking, but because the fans want to see Becky in the main event spot and as the person the company is being built be, is uh, they want the machine to go be behind her. She's the number one draw. They they're, they're, ultimately, they're going to accept it when because Becky ultimately we know is going to come out WrestleMania in all likelihood as the Raw Women's Champion. So as crappy as the storyline is, um, I and I think I think where they screwed up, if they wanted to do the triple threat, I know I mentioned a couple more logical ways. I know Stevie G did. I believe you did as well. The McMahon's getting involved is really what screwed this thing up, and it's not so much Stephanie. Um, they could have done the injury storyline, and it would have been fine. It was when Vince came out after. Becky first apologized, and Vince went and suspended her for 60 days anyway, and then we haven't seen him since. What was the point of all that? Yeah. Why does Vince McMahon always have to be center? I, If you're going to have an authority figure and it has to be Stephanie or Triple H, fine. Okay, I'm not thrilled with it, but I could get it. But, but Vince, it just seems like, and several storylines on the main roster, he's just screwing things up, and I, th that's why I said this might lead to a storyline where he's going to eventually get overthrown. But, I mean, all of a sudden, Becky's not suspended. At one point, we thought the Raw's women's title was going to be on the line at Fastlane. And it was what was best for business. Well, what was best for business was not to have Vince Suspender to begin with. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But let's see where we go. Other news before we jump into these the Fastlane picks quickly. We had the new U.S. champion Samoa Joe crowned on Tuesday night at SmackDown, which will now lead us here into our fast lane picks we have stevie g's picks in ladies and gentlemen so do not fret we got him he sent him in we're hoping to break some ground 
behind him and catch up. So let's see. Let's jump right into it. Starting it off, Rey Mysterio versus Andrade Cien Almas. It's just Andrade. Say it right. Vince doesn't want the full name. Oh, sorry. Andrade. I'm going with Andrade here. I'm taking him over Rey Mysterio going into uh, to Fastlane. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on that. I think Andrade is one of the future stars of this industry, and I think Mysterio's really here to put over the younger talent, help groom them, and I think that's the case here. So yes, on the kickoff show, I'm also gonna agree with you on Andrade, and Stevie G did as well. So across the board. All right, next next up, triple threat tag team match for the Raw WWE Tag Team Championships. I'm going with my boys, the Revival. I think they they can't strip them yet. You gotta let these guys run with it. I feel like let them do their job. This is what they're here to do. They're the best tag team out there. Let them do their thing. Stevie G went with Alistair Black and Ricochet. An encyclopedia. Who do you got? I agree with you. Uh, I don't know why you would have the Revival drop out this often, and then I mean it's that old formula. Loot. They've been going with for years. The champions lose the non-title match and then end up winning, retaining the belts. I think that's going to be the case here. And the Revival is a permanent tag team that they could build a division on. I don't know why they would have them drop the belts this quickly. So I don't see that happening. Um, I think Gable and Rude, I think they were a makeshift tag team. I thought it was going to be done to get Rude over as a heel, and that never happened. And Aleister Black and Ricochet, another makeshift tag team. I think this is where we would have seen Team DIY, uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano involved. And then I think that would have been interesting to see them as the team that defeated the Revival for the NXT tag team belts. Um, I would have liked to have seen, I, I would have been torn because I, I like DIY as well. But uh, don't have to worry about that here. I'm hands down the revival all the way. Awesome. I think this next one, it's Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. I'm pretty sure we can all agree across the board here that Becky Lynch is going to take this one because the stipulation is if she wins, she's added back into the main event at WrestleMania 35. So I'm going Becky Lynch. Stevie G went Becky Lynch. Encyclopedia? Yeah, across the board, we're going to go with Becky Lynch here. It just wouldn't make sense. We could see like 2001 where the Rock title shot at WrestleMania 2000 was on the line and Big Show actually pulled off the upset and they put him back in and they did a storyline for that. We could see we could see Charlotte win and Becky somehow gets reinserted into the match anyway because we know ultimately it's going to end up there. But I, I would hope that they wouldn't make a misstep that badly. The way the storylines are going, I, I, I'll agree with you. I think it's going to be Becky Lynch. I had to switch to my cell phone. Uh, Duty Paul's had to pick the misses up from the train station. So, sorry, you're stuck with my lousy audio for the rest of the podcast. It's all good. Um, we got the next match. We got Shields versus Corbin, Drew McIntyre, and Bobby Lashley. Stevie G is going Shield. I'm going to have to agree with him. I think it's going to be the Shield. They're not going to reunite him to have them lose to Corbin McIntyre and Bobby Lashley. Yeah, I don't understand the purpose of this. Uh, like I said, I think this is totally a money grab on their part. I feel bad for Corbin, McIntyre, and Lashley. Well, I don't feel so bad for Lashley or Corbin because I think they're a waste of time anyway. But McIntyre, I see being a future world champion, um, and I'm actually afraid that they might have killed his momentum with the storylines they've been giving him lately. 
Uh, that being said, I don't see why they would have the Shield lose here. I totally agree with you, especially if this is the last time. While I could see maybe Dean goes back to being a heel to have that one last match with Roman Reigns before he leaves in April, if that's what he ends up doing, um, I'm going to go against that possibility and agree with you with Stevie G. The Shield going to win on Sunday. All right, next one. Asuka versus Mandy Rose for the Women's Championship on SmackDown. All right, now before you give your pick. Go ahead. Stevie G picked God's greatest gift, Mandy Rose, to beat Asuka on Sunday. I was very surprised when he sent us his picks and picked Mandy Rose. I didn't see that coming, and I'm not, not sure why, where he thought that that was going to happen or why, but, you know, what? that's his pick. I'm going to disagree with him on that. I don't think Asuka's losing on Sunday. I don't know why it would be to Mandy Rose, so I'm going to say Asuka's retaining the belt on Sunday. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with you here. I don't see Mandy Rose winning it. Not now, at least. I feel like maybe down the line, but right now I'm going to have to go with Asuka. I see her going into WrestleMania as the champ. We got three matches left. We got the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship match. We got the Boston Hug Connection versus Nia Jax and Tamina. Stevie G went with the Boston Hug. As much as I want to go with Nia Jax and Tamina, I'm going to have to go with Boston Hug here as well. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree there. I This has been a weirdly booked tag team match because usually you'll see the challengers beat the champions in singles matches when it comes to a tag team championship like this. And we didn't see that here. We saw Bailey actually beat Nia Jax two weeks ago on Raw. So I wonder if that was done to try to throw people off to say, oh, well, look, the champions actually won one of the matches setting up the tag team match. I I don't think that there's going to be any throw off here. I don't know why they would put the Boston Hug connection as the, the first time champs and have dropped the belt in just out of three weeks. So I'll definitely agree with you guys. Boston Hug connection to retain on Sunday. And then we have the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships. The Usos versus Miz and Shane McMahon. Stevie G won with the Usos. I'm going to have to go with the Usos as well. I feel like this is going to be the setup for Miz versus Shane at WrestleMania. And, yeah, I see the Usos retaining here. Yeah, and I, I don't know why. I, th- this match is so unnecessary. It's the Miz-Shane McMahon match has been, like, one of those worst-kept secrets. We've been hearing about this match going back as far as, like, December. So why they have to get a rematch? Why they even put the tag team belts on them only to have them lose it three weeks later just to build this match? I thought was odd. I think they could have easily kept the belts on Miz and Shane up until Fastlane and had the title change there. Right. I think the Usos are too good of a tag team to lose the belts back to Miz and Shane. Um, it would be interesting. I actually would rather see Miz and Shane as a tag team for a couple weeks longer rather than this one-on-one match we're probably going to end up with at WrestleMania because Shane must appear at every WrestleMania now. Shane must do the coast to coast. Shane must practically kill himself in the ring only to lose at WrestleMania. Uh, this is an obvious setup for that. Uh, what I'd like to see actually is this being the way to get the Usos next challengers determined. Maybe they do a, uh, have a tag team run in at the end. Uh, not necessarily the bar. Actually, this is, might have been where Alistair Back and Ricochet would have made more sense since SmackDown tag division if the new day aren't involved against the Usos and the bar just jumping. Every week, the 
maybe Black and Ricochet challenging the Usos at WrestleMania at least would have been something different. But uh, going back, yeah, Usos to retain on Sunday. And then the final match of the evening, Daniel Bryan versus Kevin Owens for the WWE Championship match. Stevie G went with KO. I think you're not going to have Daniel Bryan lose right now. I think if he loses, it'll be at Mania. So I'm going to have to stick with Daniel Bryan. This is really intriguing because there is a rumor that KO getting inserted into this match in place of Kofi Kingston was so that Kofi would get his moment at WrestleMania. You could have just as easily had Kofi earn his title shot at WrestleMania, maybe by some sort of victory over somebody here at Fastlane. I did hear a theory from, it was actually Tom Kokoza from the Audio Dungeon Show, who we've had on the podcast before. He actually thought it would be intriguing to see KO win the belt and still have Kofi win at WrestleMania. So there's always that possibility as well. Um, Tom, if I'm misquoting you, or if you hear this, you can yell at me later, but I think I remember that correctly. Um, that being said, I know CBG picked KO. He put by DQ, but we're not going to necessarily hold that to him if KO wins clean, and it's not by DQ. I'm going to lean towards what you were saying, though. I don't think KO needs to be in the title picture at WrestleMania. I'm glad to see him back. Uh, not sure if bringing him back at the pace the way they did without getting revenge on Lashley for injuring him made much sense, but I don't see him winning the belt on Sunday. I think Daniel Bryan will walk out as champion. Um, and maybe that's why Stevie G took KO by DQ, so Stevie G gave us something to think about here. He definitely um, did. Yeah, he definitely did. Um, we also have the Mustafa Ali factor now because Mustafa Ali did kind of make the save when Eric, with Eric Rowan, Daniel Bryan's lackey on SmackDown. So does Mustafa Ali play a role in this? You know what? I'm going to say Daniel Bryan will retain. He'll win the match, and I think it might be that Mustafa Ali actually cost Kevin Owens the title. You so, have him um, versus KO at Mania? Possibly. Possibility. Or maybe we, well... I don't know, maybe we end up seeing a fatal four-way where Daniel Bryan, Kofi Kingston, KO, and Mustafa Ali. I don't know, because Mustafa Ali, the rumor is that backstage, Daniel Bryan gave, kind of was pushing for Mustafa Ali to get this push. So, I know he was injured, and I wondered if that would mean he was going to fall out of that picture, but maybe not. A lot of question marks with that match. This is actually the match that I feel like is the one that could really throw everybody off, and they've done a pretty good job of leaving those setting up those question marks in this one. I agree with you. But um, with that being said, that is our episode for this evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, find us on all the social media platforms. Go to the website, www.thesportsfrenzypodcast.com. Uh, you can find the encyclopedia at Jufer316. You can find Stevie G. 1218 on his Instagram handle. We thank you guys for listening. We will catch you guys next week and stay tuned. Peace.